This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. And Lisa Brady. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says set your clock for Inauguration Day if he wins the Republican nomination, pledging to get the job done now that he's officially in the 2024 race, ending months of speculation. He's had a lot of attention already from the Republican frontrunner, former President Donald Trump, who's criticizing his personality and questioning his electability. Fellow candidate Nikki Haley says DeSantis is trying to copy Trump. And the Democratic National Committee calls him out of touch for making his formal announcement in a Twitter Spaces event with Elon Musk that didn't go as planned. Glitches blamed on high turnout. We spoke with Darren Shaw, co-director of the Fox News poll and professor at UT Austin, about the DeSantis impact on the GOP field, his campaign strategy, and Trump's commanding lead in the polls. We made edits for time and thought you might like to hear the whole thing. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the weekday Fox News Rundown podcast. Now here's pollster Darren Shaw on the Fox News Rundown Extra. So, um, starting out a little bit broad here, what is the official entry of Ron DeSantis do to the Republican primary field? Well, it's it's an interesting question these days because in the old days, when a candidate declared, um, you know, there was a very little that went on before the declaration, a little bit of organization and fundraising, and then all the action came afterwards, and the candidate was judged by the rollout. Um, it was one of the very few opportunities a candidate would have to dominate the news unless they were um, dominating for other reasons, like they were an incumbent president or um, a high-level, high-visibility type candidate, like a Ted Kennedy in 1980 or a Ronald Reagan in 1976. Nowadays, though, um, you have your book tour, you have your exploratory committee where you say that you're thinking about running and that allows you to raise money. Uh, then you uh, get your actual declaration of candidacy um, and then you get um, a few days of coverage of that. So there's several bites at the apple. Um, what this does for DeSantis, though, is it, it removes all doubt about whether he's running. It allows him to kind of emerge as a full fledged candidate. Um, his team has obviously decided this is when they should do it. Um, before Memorial Day, right? So as we're kind of moving into the summer, before people tune out um, and before some of the earliest debates occur. Um, so there's reason to have done it when he's, you know, when he has. Um, but, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who think he waited a little bit too long and that the campaign, you know, his potential campaign took on a little bit of water as Trump kind of dominated the spring and DeSantis was a little handicapped with respect to what he could do because he wasn't a candidate. He's also faced some questions about how he decided to do it with this Twitter launch, one pro-Trump PAC called DeSantis out of touch for using Twitter spaces to make an announcement, Um, although Elon Musk does have a lot of followers himself. Um, And then on, on top of those advanced questions, once the event happens, you have all these technical issues. Um... How much does that matter? Is that going to matter with voters or with donors? I'm sure it's something that his critics are not going to let anyone forget about because it went the way that it went with these glitches. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 a good question. Um, does the rollout get in the way of the announcement itself? Or does the fact that he is now a declared candidate, um, you know, basically obviate all those organizational problems? Um, I'm always a little suspicious of, of people who make the claim, and, and I've probably made it a, a few times, that a candidate's ability to organize and run a campaign is somehow predictive of how they'll 
perform in office, especially the presidency, because um, you know it's 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 basically a way uh, to take issue with some things that a campaign has done wrong and to kind of blow them up into something that actually matters from public policy perspectives. But you're right; it was a really interesting signal, right? Uh, attaching himself to Musk and Musk's claim to fame recently has been someone who's championing free speech, someone who has been critical of the media and the connection between media and government. I think that symbolism more than or as much as the platform was what DeSantis was going for here. Um, I think you're right. It it doesn't seem to have quite worked out the way he wanted it. But but some of that is because you're, you're talking about earned media coverage from the conventional media who are hostile to DeSantis and who are hostile uh, to Musk and Twitter. Um, so I'm not sure it was it was avoidable. Republicans are, who are opposing him are just sort of kind of grabbing onto that coverage, which is more than a little bit of irony there, right? Um, that they would be kind of championing these sorts of uh, critiques. Um, you know, campaigns tend to kind of start slowly. There are very few who hit the ground running. I think in a couple of weeks we'll be moving on to something else, probably something more substantive, like exactly what is it that distinguishes DeSantis from Trump and you know, what, what is DeSantis's main claim that he's going to make to Republican voters about why they ought to dump Trump moving forward? Yeah. Does he have enough of an argument there? I mean, the former president is still leading by double digits in early polls, including the newest Fox News poll, despite his ongoing legal troubles. How does DeSantis make up that ground? How does he distinguish himself? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> that that is the question. Um you know, the other candidates, whether we're talking about Nikki Haley or Tim Scott or others, have, have either implicitly or explicitly talked about uh, a, a change in tone, uh, about appealing to not only Trump voters, but other elements of the Republican Party. Um, DeSantis's claim seems to largely be, um, you know, his, his functional success as governor of Florida, um, that he doesn't, he stands up and fights the Sort of forces that Republican voters are suspicious and skeptical of, like the like like the uh, the news media, um, like some of the what DeSantis referred to as the woke intelligentsia of the United States. I think that's appealing, um, but I'm not exactly sure if it's if, if it's a brand that is sufficiently distinctive from Trump uh, to get Republican voters to to move move off of him. I mean, the the main argument has got to be winning and electability. And the problem, of course, has been that, that Trump, for a variety of reasons, runs as strong as DeSantis does in these preliminary polls. Um, you know, I think that could change. But it, it's, if it's going to change, it has to be because DeSantis is bringing something to the table that appeals to independents and other voters. And that might come at the expense of support from Republicans. Um, that That is really the strategic issue right here, right? If your argument is electability and that the country... Uh, it started Trump. Trump can't win in 2024. Well, then you have to show that you can win. But to do that, you may have to change your appeal in a way that reduces your, you know, reduces your support amongst the key Republican electorate that you're courting. Trump is saying that DeSantis can't win a general election. He's called him disloyal. He says he needs a personality transplant. Um a lot of people, though, wrongly thought that Trump was unelectable in 2016. It, you know, is he now wrong about DeSantis or is DeSantis giving too much credit to his landslide reelection as Florida governor? Oh, my gosh. Are you suggesting that there's uh, a little bit of hypocriticalness to the criticisms of 
that are coming under DeSantis. Um, I'm shocked, shocked that there's gambling in the casino. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I, I think that, um, you know, the disloyalty claim Trump is, is already made about Haley, is already made about DeSantis. Um, you know, I think Republicans who are challenging Trump are going to have to explain, like, you know, where, where they were then and where they are now and why. Right. That that's that's true across the board. Um, the electability argument is one. Uh, I think there's there's simply going to have to be policy breaks. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, in DeSantis's case, um, and and you can see this is this is a smart move by the Trump campaign. They are trying to lay the predicate that uh, his success in Florida isn't really attributable to him. Um, that that his victory in 2022 was sort of on the uh, on the heels of administration policies, Trump administration policies that kind of paved the way. Um, you know, I, I think DeSantis, what you assume is that DeSantis and his team are going to claim that to the extent that they broke with Trump, it was because they were more in line with traditional conservative um, and, and sort of Republican principles than, than Trump was. I, I don't know. You know, this is going to be interesting. I mean, issues in this campaign, in this Republican campaign, are going to have to serve a broader purpose, right? I mean, arguing about trade policy, um, arguing about debt ceilings or some of these kind of down-in-the-weeds type policy discrepancies between the, the candidates is going to be nothing unless those differences are attached to a broader claim that Republican voters are going to find compelling. Um, and right now, the onus is on DeSantis to, to tell us, about, OK, so you won an election. You are a winner. Um, you governed as a conservative. But, you know, Trump won in 2016. Um, you know, his, his card, hardcore supporters don't think he lost in 2020. The polls aren't really showing that. So so, so give me the argument. Right. G- give me the claim that that would allow Republicans to, to move off. I, I think, the, by the way, just as a side note, you mentioned the. Uh, the hit on his personality that he's, you know, he's not going to be appealing. DeSantis really does need to come out um, and as an articulate, smooth spokesperson, someone who when you watch them on television just for 15 seconds or whatever, which is still the way most Americans get their news um, in these small sound bites, that they look at him and they they think that this is a credible candidate for office. I think DeSantis has sort of done that as governor of Florida, but now it's a different game. Has he gone too far to the right on some of the culture issues in Florida, though, some of the education issues, for instance, even 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 some of the COVID issues. Has he gone so far to the right? I mean, the Democratic National Committee, you know, says he has an extreme MAGA agenda that he's trying to take nationwide. Uh, is, you know, how does he how does he bring that back to a broader audience if he's yeah. got, if he has to lean, which is always the perennial question, right, in the primaries, he's going to sort of lean into that to the base for right. the primaries. Yeah, you know, I think this is this is something that Republicans have faced for a couple of cycles right now. Trump seemed to be really pretty good at this, which is Trump's personality is extreme. Uh, his politics and his rhetoric is extreme. His, his politics, with, with some exceptions, I'm sure, you know, progressives would, would argue with this statement, but I, I don't know that his policies were nearly as extreme as his personality and his tactics. Um, DeSantis, you know, you, you think about the positions DeSantis has taken and his, I think his problem moving forward, it's been the case the last six months, I think it'll be his problem moving forward, is that he's taken issue with restrictions on free speech. He's taken, you know, issue with, he thinks, a, a, you know, a culture that's gotten too far out in front of mass opinion and the public. 
you know, he's tried to make a defense of traditional sort of family values. I actually think those are probably winning propositions, except they have been portrayed, as, as you suggested, to, as a move to court Republicans, as embracing an extremist agenda. And I don't think he's been, and by the way, I think this is really tough, given the way the, the, the media are towards candidates like DeSantis. Um, I, I think he's he's kind of lost control of the argument a little bit that, you know, he's on the defensive national with with things like the Disney controversy, um, maybe not so much with, you know, the Budweiser stuff, but um, but, you know, the NAACP's actions towards Florida. I mean, he is in a political fight and I think he's he needs to get control of, of the rhetoric again. And, and the, the basic claims he's made, I think, actually have fairly popular and populist appeal. Right. That, we're, you know, the, the culture has gone too far, that we need to honor family, that we need to honor tradition, that parents are critical, all this stuff, you know, that religion matters. These are things that I think have broad support, but they've been portrayed as pandering, as extremism. And if that continues, if he can't get control of the agenda about why he is articulating these policy and why he's had and picked these fights, it's going to be a really long summer and fall for him. Although he's far behind Trump in the polling, he's far ahead of the rest of the primary field right now, including this week's other new entry, Senator Tim Scott. Does that hurt DeSantis in some way to sort of have that early big lead over the rest of the field? I mean, it's more pressure in some yeah. way, isn't it? Yeah. You know, OK, so I think he's there's there's a positive and a negative side for DeSantis's current standing. Uh, I, I read an article. I, I wish I could claim that that I looked up these numbers. I looked them up after the fact. Um, and there have been historically, and this is going back to 1972, there have only been two candidates who, who were polling in the low 30s at, at this time who did not go on to win the nomination. Um, and, and so DeSantis, who's dropped into the low 20s, at, at the time this observation was made, was polling in the low 30s. And so even though he was trailing Trump, so if, if Trump had lost, Trump would have been another example of that because Trump was in the, in the high 40s and 50s. That, that's a pretty stunning number, right? To have basically a third of, of the party kind of committed to you or at least supporting you, um, you know, more than a year out, a year and a half out. Uh, that's pretty unusual. And that, that's the positive news for DeSantis. That there is a, there's a constituency out there for him. The, the problem, I think, for DeSantis is that Trump supporters, you know, Trump supporters say that if their second choice is DeSantis. Um, which means that every other candidate in the now, meanwhile, DeSantis's supporters kind of go, they go a little bit to Trump, but they go to some of the other candidates as well. That means that there's a huge incentive for every other Republican in the race to go after DeSantis because every DeSantis voter they shake loose, they have a shot at. If they go after Trump, Trump supporters have said, well, they'll just go to DeSantis. So why would Tim Scott or Nikki Haley um, or any of the other prospective Republican candidates go after you know, Trump, when all that's going to do is probably accrue to DeSantis's advantage. So that's a long winded way of saying I think that's the negative of the dynamic that, that exists right now. Um, and that is really DeSantis is the only one with an incentive and, and the need to go after Trump at this stage of the game. Um, and as we know from 2016 to a lesser extent 2020, going after Trump comes with with some peril. One other thing for now, anyway, <laughs> um, in the new Fox News poll, President Biden is having a big drop in many categories, including honesty, having the judgment to serve, the cares about people like me question, and only a third 
think he's a strong leader. That number is 51% for Trump. How much does that hurt the rest of the Republican field, including DeSantis? Yeah. Okay, so Biden's weakness is, is one thing. I, I think I commented in the article. Um, these numbers on both sides, the, the negative traits associated with the two front runners, with Biden and, and Trump, are unprecedented. Um, you know, we've had candidates that the public was lukewarm towards before. 1980 was kind of the best example of that. Um, and 2016 was another where people didn't particularly like Hillary and they didn't particularly like Trump. But the traits, you know, traits do have some power, predictive power. And the ones that really matter historically have been empathy. The, you know, does the candidate really care about people like you? And then is the candidate a strong leader? And Democrats have tended to dominate on empathy. And Republicans have tended to dominate on the leadership number. So it's it's not unusual for the Democrat to be lower than the Republican. But Biden's numbers are really, really scary if you're a Democratic consultant right now. Those, you know, to have leadership numbers in the 30 as the incumbent president, um, that, that's it's below Jimmy Carter territory at this point. Um, and his empathy numbers aren't nearly high enough to offset that. Trump's strong leader numbers... Um, that that's the whole game for him. That that's where that that's the thing that keeps him afloat with Republicans, et cetera. Which is another reason why he's so aggressive and, and kind of forceful on the stuff. I think he natively understands that. Um, in terms of traits, Trump's untrustworthy numbers, um, or I should say positively, his trustworthy numbers are quite low. Um, the corruption numbers that we also have in there are low. The um, uh, make the right decisions numbers that we have are low. That's something that I think the opponents should take a look at. That's something that DeSantis, that's something that Haley, Scott, and all these other candidates might really want to take a look at, right? Because that's his Achilles heel, is the notion that, you know, he, the voters perceive. You're talking about a belief that Trump can't be elected. If I were strategic, I would point to those numbers if I were the candidates. And so you want to look at the polls, you can look at the head-to-heads, but look at what Democrats and independents and even some Republicans think about this guy. They think he's corrupt. They think he he doesn't care about people like them. He's not empathetic um, and that he's not going to make the right decisions. Darren Shaw, co-director of the Fox News poll, also professor at UT Austin. Thank you very much for your time. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.